From Barca Football, we are back again this week in our weekly podcast, The Fullback, where we talk a little bit about Barca, a little bit about football, and everything in between. Things haven't been going that easy for the last few months, and the fan continued in our game with Rayo. Yes, it was a freak goal that we conceded, but that's what we seem to concede every time, and we are conceding in the first half, almost in every game, and then we are somehow scraping our goal through in the last 10 minutes, or sometimes scraping a win, and it's not been smooth sailing, and there's genuine concern that if we continue to play this way, we'll possibly not win any silverware this season, but that it may also be very difficult for Chavi to continue as a coach. So with that, I will welcome Dom. Dom, how have you been? How are things? Hey, Dev. Yeah, thanks. I've been... I'm okay. Very busy at the moment. Bars are not really making things any any better, any smoother. It's just it's a tough period to be a Barca fan. I understand that things have not been going really that well. And yeah, as you said, it's been another game where we had to fight back and try and win any points uh, at all. And we've only managed one. Maybe we could have had more, uh, but it is what it is. At the moment, we are just. We are in this situation where the team is obviously underperforming. But yes, let's see what questions we have for us today. And we'll try and do our best to give our point of view and, and answer them as best as we can. All right, so let's get started. We'll start with the first question, which comes from the Cooler 10. And he asks, who would you prefer to be in the squad next year? Felix or Fatih? Okay, now this is, I feel like this is a question more about profiles than just individual players, not just directly about Felix or Fati. It's more about what does this team need in the long term? Because I feel like it's like comparing apples and oranges rather than comparing apples and apples. They're just two different types of players. And it's up to Barcelona and Xavi if he remains as Barca coach to decide what type of player he needs more. But I still really feel like Felix is contributing much more than people give him credit for. He just speeds up a game. He moves the ball really well and quickly. And he makes things happen. And I feel like when a team is struggling as much as Barca or as a collective, it also makes it very difficult for individuals, for individuals like Felix to actually be impactful. But against all those odds, he still is impactful somehow. And at the moment, we don't know what version of Fatih we will get when he returns from Brighton. It seems to me that he's injured again. I don't know how serious it is, but I've, I've seen news about his injury. And at this point, that is a major concern for me. His fitness is a major concern for me because Barcelona's forward line is currently lacking goals and output. It's lacking difference makers in the forward line. And it's also lacking players that you can confidently build your whole team around. And as much as people don't think Felix is that guy, and I get that because you need your forwards to score goals. You need the numbers to suggest, to, to actually confirm that player is, in, is impactful. But I can still see value in Felix. So my answer to this question might not be really as simple because profile-wise, someone like Ansu Fati is golden because he is someone who can exploit an attack space. He can, he's someone who has those instincts and deadly, just can sniff out goals inside the area. And he has that ball striking that just gets him over the line. So he's a player who enables others. And that, to me, is crucial to have. But Fati, much like Ferran Torres used to be in his first season, is, is someone like that. And that has immense value. I would gladly take such a profile of a player. 
Felix, on the other hand, is much different, I feel like. He's a creator, a carrier, a progressor of play, a player with lots of touches and dynamism. And in the current setup, I think he's absolutely needed. So I will still put that kind of a player in the starting 11. Now, the tricky part is that you need both someone like Felix and someone like Fatih in the team. And so in my mind, you have one on the left and one down the middle. Now, both can be used in either of those roles, and that's up to, the ch up to Chavi and the coach and the players' performances. So the answer is actually both profiles are needed, but then you have Fatih and Teran who are very similar in certain aspects, and one could theoretically replace the other. In an ideal world, you keep at least one of those two and Felix. You have both. But then there's the question of how expensive would it be to keep Felix and how fit would Fatih actually be. So it's a big risk either way. As much as it pains me to say it, but if Felix is affordable or can be loaned again on acceptable terms, I would keep him. And I wouldn't obviously sell Fatih. I would still keep him somehow. But to me, he is a big gamble purely because of fitness. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head with uh, the, the point of view on context. I think uh, you're right that I also feel that Felix is, is trying a lot. He has that ability, but it's not coming off more often than not. But I don't think that's Felix's problem. I also think that's largely a problem because of the way we are playing right now, where our midfield and our forward line don't really have the cohesion to take advantage of the skill sets that he brings to play. Now, whether that's a coaching thing or whether that's a Felix thing, we can debate that. He also doesn't make it easy for himself, I think, at times, because he tries too much, tries to dribble too much or runs into opposition too much and then loses the ball and then the, the game loses its continuity. And that happens quite often. So obviously there are things that he can improve on or Chavi can work with him on. But in every single game, we change the way we play and then the players have to change the way they play and then we don't really get a consistent pattern going on, which makes it very difficult for at least me to say that, okay, Felix is terrible or Felix is awesome. He's trying for sure, but he also needs players who can play with him to open those spaces up so that he can be more effective in finishing, which has been lacking. The one thing that I do have against Felix is that the finishing hasn't been there. But is it purely his fault? I'm not really sure. So that's on Felix. On Fatih, yes, he's a great player. Unlucky that he suffered what he suffered. And the fact that we made him play as much as we made him play when he was of that age. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, that's the reality. Now, at Brighton, the few games that I watched him play, I didn't feel that he has made a leap in terms of how he was playing before. But what he needed was continuity. He needed continuous game time to improve. And with this injury, that will again be affected. We don't know how long that he'll be out. But for sure, it will be for some time. And every time he, these setbacks happen, the progress he makes reverts back to zero. And he needs to start again. And given our situation, neither of them are the difference maker uh, that we actually need. That's the unfortunate truth and harsh reality. That's a that's just how it is. Now, it would have been awesome if it was a fit and firing party who, who has the ability that we know he has, but that party we haven't seen for almost now two, two and a half years. And that's a long time in football. We hope it comes back, but until and unless he can display it consistently in Brighton, it's going to be hard to depend on that. So we'll only know at the end of the season, and I genuinely hope he gets well soon and it puts a 
consistent run of games behind him so that he builds up his confidence and he can play more under a great coach. But that hasn't happened till now. Phoenix needs to provide more finishing than what he is doing right now. And for that, he needs help. And that help needs to be provided by the coaching staff or the way we are playing. People want Fatih to succeed because he's our, our guy, our kid. Of course, we want him all the best. But at this point, there's just no guarantee. There's never guarantee in, guarantees in football. That's just how it works. And injuries, when they derail someone's career, especially someone who has or used to have such a big ceiling Fatih, it's heartbreaking. But it's just at this point, without the context, without taking everything into consideration, it's just too difficult to say, okay, this or that player will definitely be the better option in a year's time. I often feel this, Dom, and I don't know your point of view, and we'll have to go to the next question, but I just wanted to make this point that every other team out there, which is at the elite levels, they do a transfer, and immediately the player they bring in, that player starts to make an immediate impact in most of the elite teams. In Barca, what we see is that we get a player for his profile or for his skill set, and we pay a lot of money, and then he comes in, and then he regresses for some reasons, and then he becomes a liability. Like I, every single transfer that we have done, we have questions about each of those players right now. And that really, you know, blows my mind. And the second thing is about injuries, right? We, we have been plagued with injuries. It has been a consistent theme for the last two, two and a half years. And how do you build a team or cohesion between the offense, defense, and midfield in a situation like that? Okay, now, going to the next question. Updates underscore FC Barca. And he says, what do you think about Balde's long-term future at Barca? Now, this is a, a hot topic. This has been discussed many times and it has come up recently a lot with a lot of people having different points of views, opinions, criticism, what have you. Dom, very keen to know your thoughts. Yeah, as you said, this seems like a very hot topic at the moment. And, and as strange as it, as it is, I don't really see Balde struggling as much as everyone else seems to think. Sure, he is very low in confidence at the moment, and some of his actions lack the intensity or the conviction that they usually have. But the things that he has to do and the tasks his profile needs to address are still getting addressed, I feel. It's just, again, this, similar to to Felix's situation is that when the whole team and the system is so shaky and struggling, of course, the individuals inside that ecosystem are also struggling. So the way we often judge players is by the numbers and, and people see that the Balde, for example, is struggling with crossing, let's say, and immediately they conclude, okay, he's falling off. But Barcelona are never going to win games consistently by, by constantly crossing the ball into the box for example. Not even in the days of, I don't know, prime Dani Alves that we win games like that. Or in the days of Jordi Alba. Both of these players were, were elite distributors, don't get me wrong. And they generally created connections and patterns with difference makers inside or on the edge of the penalty box. So they used cutbacks, they would use shorter, deep completions to access those targets. And at the moment, in Barcelona's current setup, uh, it just that setup, that structure is not geared towards those sort of actions because there are no patterns that can exploit such combinations. And Balde is forced out wide and forced into these long and high crosses into the area constantly. 
So what is the solution to this to his current issues in the final third? One thing would be to change exactly that, change his function in attack. Instead of giving him this hug the touchline and beat opponents to the outside role, have him in a different role, perhaps having underlap. And that way you can shorten the distance he needs to deploy the passes. And even more importantly, you cannot give, you can, this would increase the value of his single greatest ability, which is the, the ball carry. So you create an environment in which his carries actually penetrate into the box, into the area, and be more threatening and attacking tool as opposed to just being a progression tool. So the other option I have, and you might have already guessed it, is converting him to the right side of the pitch. So either you play to his current strength and you keep him as an elite progressor, distributor, and defender. So that's one thing that he can be. Or you change his role in attack so that you can optimally convert his profile into a more attacking profile. Because at the moment, the way he's being used at Barcelona doesn't play to his strengths at all. We got really lucky as a team with Valde because uh, finding a talent like that in today's market would be northward of 60 to 80 million dollars and we just don't have that kind of money i concur with almost everything that you have said last year he broke out and that happened because there was a system it wasn't the most sexiest of systems but it was there and the team adhered to it and that actually allowed him to play to his strengths which is his ball carrying and making that progression into the final third. Uh, that's what made him stand out. This year, with the changes, I don't think even he is very sure of his role on what he's needed to deliver. As you rightly pointed out, if he's hugging the touchline and he is sending in cross after cross, who is there to connect with that cross? A Lewandowski? Sure, he can, maybe once or twice, but we have seen the kind of marking that Lewandowski receives in the box. So he's doing the job that he's been given to do, but it's not a consistent threat, as you pointed out. And the reason for that, I feel, is that while he knows that he has to hug the touchline and keep running and then float in the cross, I don't think anything else has been built as an equation of sort with the forward line. So if you think about Jordi Alba or Danny Alves, the two names that you took, they had telepathic communication between them, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, it was almost instantaneous. It was like these people exactly knew what was going to happen and they played for that. It was wrote in the system, into their minds. They knew exactly what they needed to do. That is just not there in this team. I don't think that level of chemistry equation or associated play has been built up between Balde and any member of our forward line. Beat Felix, beat Ferran, beat Lewandowski. The other reason being, because Xavi has changed the system so much every single game, it's not a consistent play that Balde has to do. And the team itself uh, has not figured out what they need to do. We struggle almost every game consistently in breaking down a block or finding a way to be effective in the final third. We, we are toothless in the final third. Let's just be honest. For 80 minutes a game on an average, we don't find a way into the opposition box. 14 goals this season we have scored after the 80th minute. And that tells you the struggle the team has had. And it's a shame because I feel that if this was a City or if this was a Bayern or if this was one of those elite teams, 
he would be flying. Again, this can be more debatable into whether it's his Chavi's fault or whether this is Balde's fault or somebody else's fault, then we can keep pointing fingers. But the unfortunate situation is it's never one cause. And that's where I feel there are lots of nuances that need to be talked about. That's a real talent that we got supremely lucky with and we are not using in the best manner possible. Is he Jordi Alba? No, he's not. Is he Danny Alves? No, he's not. But he is Balde and he's good enough provided he gets the guidance, the coaching, and the system to play to his strengths. What is his long-term future at Barca? If the team continues like this, the long-term future of many players in Barca is not long-term. That's the unfortunate truth. I genuinely hope we change this dynamic because that is a player we need to nurture. And that is a player that we need to grow because they're rare. They're really rare. Your point on the right wing, yes, I'm open. But Xavi's got to make up his mind on what he wants. It can't be one day he's right wing, next day he's left wing, and we keep changing consistently. In short, long-term future, I hope it's a long one. Really hope it's a long one. He's, he's just 19 years old, so he has all the time in the world to improve and become really world-class. But he needs that support. He needs that setup. He needs that environment. He needs that coaching. Okay, let's move on to the next question, which is, from Emmanuel, and he asks, Pedri or Gundo in the first phase, and with whom? Romeo? So it's a very short, cryptic question, but I think we can understand what he's asking. What should be our midfield combination in the first phase of the play? Pedri needs to be involved in basically everything, such as the value of him as a player. However, currently, I feel like he's getting too much freedom and importance in that free number 10 role of sorts. While he's not necessarily providing the attacking value that we need from that role. So if I had to choose, I would still have Gundogan higher and Pedri deeper in midfield simply because at the moment, Pedri can emulate what Gundogan does deep, but he cannot emulate what Gundogan does higher up. Barca are missing someone with that edge of attack, some, someone who has the sheer output in them. Now, Gundogan can provide those things not maybe not on the level of elite strikers but he's not meant to but, but he, what he can do is he can give you more in that simple attacking way more than Pedri does at the moment so if Barcelona want to have Pedri as number 10 in the long term they need to make sure that he improves those attacking instincts he needs to be more decisive and more of a difference maker to perform that role the way that role is meant to be performed right so if Pedri is deep, who do you partner him with? That's the next question that you need to answer. And I would not have Pedri deep all the time, as I get this clear, because I would give him license to move across the terrace because he can't be limited to just one phase. He's too good to be a one-phase type of player. But if he's in such a role that he moves across the third, but starts deep, which is ideally what you do give him, you need someone more disciplined next to him. That's what I keep saying in this double pivot sort of situation ideally that profile is much more grounded much more horizontal and someone like Romeo obviously fits but at this moment given Romeo's struggles it wouldn't necessarily be exactly him it would just be a player that is similar to Romeo in profile his profile is still what fits the need that the, this team needs but not exactly him as the solution so Frankie and Pedri for example could work together, 
But then Barca need to protect them much, much better than they have been doing so far because they are very similar and in theory don't need both in that singular role deep in midfield. And some would even argue a more extreme view, which would say that they don't need both of them on the pitch at the same time at all. No, so that combination is not ideal, but it can wor work in a very compact system with a well-designed rest defense that cover up, covers up the deficiencies. Now, does Barca have that at the moment? I don't think so. So ideally, Pedri improves his attacking potential and can transform it in pure number 10 long-term, or you have him deep in that free roll to roam across the third, but then in a very idealistic scenario, this is not something that he performs next to Frankie Dion. So it's, again, a problem. How do you put both of them on the pitch? They get the most out of both of them while not making them do the same things. It's a very complex thing and, and something that Barca will have to figure out. But yeah, one way would be to have Pedri in the number 10 role. But if he is in the number 10 role, he needs to be doing more than he is doing so far. And I know it's very controversial to, to, to say Pedri is not being good enough but i think in this particular aspect he is not bringing as much as he needs to bring if he is to be given so much freedom so much importance in that specific number 10 role where he can roam the final third and he needs to contribute to attack much much more than he does at the moment it's a tricky topic it's something that might upset some people but i think we are in the situation where Xavi needs to have a good look at the roles that his players are performing and, and see how to, to get the best out of those roles. I, I absolutely agree with you, Dom. Uh, he is not performing to the level of a 10 that a Barca need a 10 to be. Now, it can be because he's young. It can be because he's just come out of an injury and so on and so forth. Yes, we need to keep that into mind and take that into account. But for sure, he's definitely not at that level right now. That's one problem. The second thing is about Gundo. And it's one of those things which I just talked about. Here's a pedigree player. Sure, he's on the wrong side of 30, but who came from Man City and he regressed. There's no other way of putting it. He basically regressed after coming into Barca. And it's not because he suddenly started to play bad or something. It's just that he, he, there is no specific role for him. Sometimes he's deep. Sometimes he's in a more offensive role. Depends on the day. Depends on the lineup. And I don't think Kundo can be a very effective deep player for the Barca system in the high line that we play. His press resistance lacks, and then we are facing transitions. And it'll happen in more games than I can remember this season. He's a great player. But for this system, I don't think he has still adapted well enough, which means effectively there's only one space where he is high up, higher up on the pitch. Now, when he's higher up on the pitch, what is his role? We lack all kinds of press resistance. We get robbed of the ball very easily in most games. And then we are facing transition threats on the counter and we actually concede from them. And it happens way too often, which probably means we need another midfielder, which would seem improbable, but that's how it looks like when we see the team play, because there are distinct gaps in that midfield, even though we have all this richness of talent that they keep talking about. There's nothing which is dictating the tempo or dictating the game, however harsh it may sound. And yes, people might disagree, but that's what we feel. That's what at least I feel when I see the games. Right. Now we come to Romeo. 
is he the right profile? Yes, he's right profile. But we had to talk about some of the technical challenges that we have seen. He's not press resistant. When he's pressed high, he often loses the ball. And he's not very good at one-touch football. And in our kind of midfield, where you are playing in those distinct triangles, right, and you're quickly passing the ball for ball circulation or moving the ball up, he's just not been that good. He can put in a defensive ship, but when it comes to that slick interchange of passes, that's not happening with Romeo. So how do we use him? Where do we use him? If we use him in a double pivot with Frankie, I think that's the only way of using him in this team, but then there are two positions that are gone. So that's Frankie de Jong and Oriol Romeo. That's a double pivot that's gone. So now you have two players left. And I don't think either Gundo or Pedri are very good with defensive coverage. Even though I would say Gundogan's ability to track back is much more than Pedri. So he will do that. He'll put in that shift for sure. But they're not insurance. So we are not using them to their strengths. With Romeo, it has to be very tactical. If you're, you're going to use him in a setup like Barca, Xavi's got to figure out a system which is ironclad, which has support in defense, so that if we lose the ball in a, in a press, there is somebody who is covering up for this Barca team to be complete. And we keep saying it, it will probably take another couple of years until the whole squad is complete. And that includes the midfield, which has quality. It's just, it's not, it's not optimal yet. It's not in that ideal state just yet. Let's move to the next question. John Paul Coite, and I'm hoping I got the pronunciation right. If I got it wrong, I apologize. And he asks, the last game versus Alabes, Xavi tried using the box midfield with Cancelo and Gundo as the deepest. But the problem with that is Cancelo's attacking instincts. You think testing Frankie de Jong as a right back and having him invert next to Gundo will help? Like how Arsenal used Zinchenko? This is very much a question of how do we get the most out of Frankie de Jong? And Frankie de Jong is an incredible asset in almost every phase of play. And Barcelona, somehow, after several years, have only recently started getting the most out of Frankie. Uh, maybe not the most just yet, but they are getting more than they used to get. What we know is that he likes to stay in possession of the ball for long. He likes to have the ball at his feet. And he likes to start deep and then move up. So in that sense, in a way, starting him in the back line, as this user suggests, is a good way to kind of maximize his output. Whether that's from right back or center back, that, that would be the choice of the coach, right? So ideally, in my mind, though, you give him something of that John Stone's role, yeah, we call it John Stone's role, where he can slot in the back line if needs be and, and become that first receiver, and then he can conquer territory and move forward, eat up ground, as we know that he likes to do. But if you have a midfielder, as Frankie stepping down from that second line of play, someone needs to take his position higher up so you retain the compactness that you need. And interestingly enough, even though the, the Rio game seemed to have left a bitter taste in everyone's mouth, mouth, I saw good things against Rio as well. And I saw something similar to this, to this scenario in that game where Frankie would actually drop in the, in the back line and that would force Christensen to move to the right back spot and Cancela would move up, so forward, and then invert next to Romeo to retain the structure. And in that scenario, it worked well in several situations where Frankie would be, he would become the main progressor and the free man in possession because with Barcelona in possession, it's all about 
creating and then accessing the free man. And if Frankie is that free man who has the license to eat up ground and start deep and finish high, then you're, you're doing your best to get the most out of his profile. And I think that setup in particular is something maybe slightly different than to what we used to see from Charlie, but it's also something to build on uh, in the long term. That role where Frankie is free to drop in and move up and be the first receiver, be the secondary controller if needs be, that's the role that could make the most out of his profile. And yes, I would be open to, to seeing him more in that role. So he would not be the single pivot even though he at times against Raya in particular seemed to be the single pivot with Romeo even pushing up, he would need to be next to the single pivot, next to the, the more grounded, the horizontal presence, more disciplined presence, but then he would have the license to go up and down the half space from the center back position into the midfield position and then potentially even higher up to connect with the forwards. That to me is the way to fully unlock Frankie de Jong, give him that license, give him that role that sees him basically dominate more than just one third of the pitch. And that's why I, I said in the previous question that him next to Pedri, the midfield, would feel suboptimal because both Pedri and Frankie like to do that. They like to be effective and, and important and have value in every single phase of the game. But if you have two midfielders who play next to each other in a double pivot, who like to do that thing and they need to do that thing to be effective, then you have a problem because one is always going to suffer more than the other because you can't have both of them doing that same thing from that deep position in midfield. But it is something to build up on a field. It's something that is worth experimenting with. And I feel like against Rayo, we saw glimpses of that. We saw glimpses of something that can work long-term. But yeah, I'd be interesting to see and to hear your thoughts, Dev. But I wanted to push you a little bit further on that question. Would you have him invert with Gundo? So if he started on the right back spots and then invert into midfield, Correct. that is yeah. not a question. Yeah. It would. It, it, it would help. And I think we saw something similar with, we were seeing it with Cancelo as well. The way you use that right back to invert, that's to retain the compactness in midfield while, while also enabling easier progression. That's what happens. So yes, in theory, it would help. It would help Barcelona to retain that structure and also get the most out of their progression tools. The thing is, he would, what Frankie likes to do is he likes to be on the ball deep and then move with the ball forward. So I'm not sure if this question from that user, does that mean that he starts at right back, he gets the ball at right back, and then he moves into midfield carrying the ball, or is it an off-the-ball movement? Because that's important, because Frankie likes to be the first receiver in the back line and then move up with the ball. That's how you want to use him, because you want to use his running power and his progression and his carries to break the, the first line of press and progress the ball that way. This is an interesting question, and again, it has no answers, but let me try. You started with John Stones, right? And I'll take a name which uh, many Barca people might not enjoy. But PK, PK was doing Johnstones before Johnstones made the Johnstone role his own. I feel that we have to that profile, not that he's similar to PK, but who can possibly do that job under a high press, still keep his calm and play the passes out is Christensen. Because when you put Frankie that deep, 
in a CDM role or in the defense, and you give him that much freedom to run through from, from the defensive third to the offensive third, we lose out on steam. So it would be better to have Frankie a little bit forward in that double pivot role with the defender behind him, but then Javi has a headache on figuring out what that defense needs to look like. I, I may be wrong, but I just feel that it will be very difficult to have that defensive solidity in that box midfield if you have Cancelo roaming free and just doing what he feels like doing. So if we go back to our box midfield and we have Cancelo in that setup, what is Cancelo's role? You can't have both Kunde and Cancelo and Rafinha or Lamin Yamal and the box midfield and still make it all work. Something's got to give. So how do you play out from the back? And how do you connect it with the midfield so that they can progress the ball, which we struggle to all the time? All of these things are interconnected with each other. Using Frankie De Jong as a right back, can he perform? Probably yes. But would I want him there? Probably no. His biggest asset is his ball carrying. If he needed a right back with ball carrying capabilities, we already have Kunde. And he does that pretty well. He can carry the ball. He can play right back, which he did last year pretty well. And it worked. So we don't need to solve for a problem we don't have. All right. This brings us to the last question, which is Robinso92899711. And he asks a very simple question. If Barca had the finance, who are you picking for our left winger spot? And I'll take this one. I hope we get lucky with Felix and he performs to his capability because he definitely has the capability of playing that role. Will he be the difference maker? Not really sure based on what we have seen till now. But he definitely has the skill set. Having said that, if he had the money, I would go for Rafael Leal. I'm not saying that we will get him because he already plays with Milan. He has a contract. He'll be insanely expensive. But all that aside, just profile to profile, I would go for Apaliao because of his sheer skill set, his physicality, his ability, his pace, his exceptional speed. He can take on defenders. One, You need wingers who can take on defenders and beat them. You need pace and verticality to beat to create that destabilizing force, to create that fear, which we don't have. We don't have any pace. So we need somebody who has that pace. And Rafael has that. He can exploit the space behind the defensive line. And he's so good in counter-attacks. Right now, I do not even remember when Barca last did a counter-attack, which resulted in a goal, which is insane. But it's the truth. We are slow, ponderous. So you need those kind of players who can destabilize. This is what Dembele had. He had speed, he had pace. Yes, his final output was lacking, he was injured, all of that stuff, yes. But he was a difference maker. And that is one of the major reasons why we won the league last year. Rafael has that. He has that dribbling. He can take on defenders. So if you ask me about all the money in the world, Rafael Leo is whom I would go for. So yes, yeah, I'm really happy that you actually mentioned the Belay because I was going to mention the Belay as well in this context. And I will keep this short but yes if we had all the money in the world we could pick anyone we want you obviously cannot overlook players like Rafael Al or even go crazy like Kylian Mbappe because in this situation it's easy to say those two because it's a hypothetical situation but 
when it comes down to it, and we keep saying this over and over, especially in this episode, I feel it's all about the profiles. And that's why I like that you mentioned Dembele, because regardless of what you think about him as a player or as a person for that matter, it's evident how needed his profile is and how much we miss him, the outlet, the pace, the, the individual brilliance, the difference making, the threat he posed on his own, all of that is missing right now in this forward line. So if you have the money to get, get anyone you want, you get someone who can flip a game on its head on his own. These are the types of players that you go. These players, they keep asking the right questions of defenses. They constantly make them afraid and they are always a threat in every situation. And that's what's missing from Barcelona just now. So you need someone like that on the wings or down the middle. It's, it's, it's really up to you. I, I will still feel, I still feel like someone like Dembele is missing in that situation. And Leao, for example, as you mentioned, he provides that. Mbappe provides that, that constant threat, that fear, that decisiveness on his own. And if Barca had the money to splash on any kind of forward uh, for attack, that would be a type of forward I would go for. This is going to be a tough week and a tough round of games coming up for us. We have Porto. I can just about imagine what will happen if he lose that game. So let's hope we don't. And then we have uh, Atleti and Girona, two teams who are ahead of us on points with one game played lesser. And if we don't win those games, we are in a situation where we might be out in the top six. And that will be a very difficult situation for Xavi. The team needs to... It's easy to say for us, but they need to wake up. At this point, at this stage in the, in the season, it's, it's getting really difficult to see this team improving enough to make any significant impact on the season. So there is still hope, there is still a chance for us to, to do something and do it right, but we also have to hope and, and wait and see. Yeah, that's basically it. So, Vizca El Barça, and see you on the next one.